do go with those things. How are you keeping? Um, if this is... If you were here last week, welcome. If this is your first episode, welcome as well. Um, I got a nice response to last week, which I was happy with. Um, just people reaching out to me saying they were enjoying it and stuff. So, like I said last week, if you're enjoying it, tell one of your mates about it. Tell a couple of your mates about it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Tell a few of your mates. And hopefully we can keep this going and have a bit of crack. Hopefully. I'm a fucking dreamer. <laughs> um, so on the basis of that, I'm going to read out to you a little poem that was uh, submitted there during the week. Um, it was actually sent to me by post. Um, some of the fan mail I was receiving, it was sent to be, I received it there this morning. So I'll read it out to you there now. How did the stars not complain you stole their shine? Your voice soothes my drums and creates a tingle in my groin. I dance to your tune and your rambling reminiscing of Temple of Doom. And still haven't you yet tugged on my heart like a marionette? I wish to mount you and ride you all through the night and allow your freshly warm seed to inseminate me by your side. I am your servant and you are my master. I love you and I am honoured to give birth to your bastard. Now I don't know who sent this poem. I don't know how they got my address. Um, it's a bit freaky, to be honest. Um, I felt a bit strange. Um, it didn't say anything else. It was just a A4 sheet of paper here. In an envelope. Um, the handwriting is very hard to make out. Um, it's very creepy indeed, lads. I'm not going to lie to you. Beautifully written poem, now, mind you. But it's, it's, it's unsettling, to say the least. So... Um, what's this week going to be about? Um, I was going to do, I because I said last week I knew what I was going to be talking about. Um, I was going to do something else. I'll probably do that next week, so I won't say what it is. But something strange happened. I've been having mad, vivid dreams the last week. Like, strangely vivid, where I just wake up and go, fucking hell, that felt real. Do you never get them? Where just a dream feels so real while you're in the middle of it. And you wake up and you go, jeez, that was fucking mad. Everyone gets that, but I've been getting that all week. Um, I don't know what it is. I've been trying to figure out what it might be, and I have no idea. But it's been happening, like, consecutively. Um, could be to do with the fact we're in the middle of a fucking lockdown. <laughs> Um, could be, mightn't be, I don't know, but, so, what I decided to do was I was gonna tell you the story of one of these dreams, and then I'm going to explore where I came from, because this one kind of shook me the most, and it definitely had the most, it was definitely very obvious to me straight up where all of these things came, came out of, um, Alright, so I'll set the scene. So it's a dream. So it operates on a very strange... It operates... It doesn't operate in very realistic terms. So I'll try and make it as as, as well-rounded and... Uh, 
I'll try and make it into as good a story as I can because dreams are can be very fucking mad, right? So I'll set the scene. I was the same age I am now, only I was going back to my old school because the TYs were doing a musical, alright? And uh, there was a name for it in the dream, I fucking forget. But we all, there's a load of me and my mates. We all go in, we're all going, rubbing our hands together, going, nice one, a TY musical, this is going to be some laugh. Bit of crack, a lot of people we know in a musical, singing and dancing, can we go crack, here we go. So we sit down anyway, and the show's about to start, and we're all sat there having a laugh. And then, before it started, like bodyguard fellas in suits arrive up. It's in like a theatre, right? It was in a th- like a standard theatre, two doors either side of the stage, and there was no doors at the back. And two guards come in the two doors and block the exits. And they just stand there. And we're kind of going, what the fuck's going on? Then, a lad in full kind of motorbike gear walks in. Clearly in a lot of distress. Alright? He walks in. And goes, he called out someone else, but he said, Can I, which one of you is such and such, and which one of you is Robbie O'Donnell, right? <laughs> so I put my hand up and go, yeah, that's myself, and then the other person comes with, and the other person puts their hand up as well, it was a girl, I forget who it was. And your man says, you're coming with me. So we kind of march on down, and we kind of go out the door, and I start getting a bit freaked out. This is all very strange. And he was he was very distressed, right? <laughs> this is a bit gaslit. <laughs> he was very kind of like freaking out, like he was all sweaty, and he was like half like shaking, he was half crying. And he goes, "Come on, you're coming with me. You're coming with me." And I was like, "Nah, do you know what? Fuck this. I'm not coming with you, bud." In the dream, and he was like, "What?" I said, "I'm not coming. Fuck off." And he starts going mental then, right? He starts going, what did you say to me? What? What? And he throws me back into the theatre and tells the bodyguards to keep me there. So I'm sat there then going, gee, what the fuck's going on? And then everyone starts freaking out. All right, this is... (laughs) Everybody starts freaking out. Then, one by one, someone would come in. Not the same fella. The same fella didn't come back in. But one by one, somebody would come in and ask someone else to come out. And would call out someone's name and say, come on, you're coming. And one by one, they would call him and bring him out and say, come on, you're coming with us. You're coming with us. You're coming with us. And we're getting... At this stage, it was causing... It was actually caught. Do you know when a dream scares you to the point where it causes you physical distress in real life like you wake up and your heart is actually like pounding and you like feel like you've been stressed in the night at this stage the dream is reaching that level all right so eventually there's only about eight or nine of us left in the theater sat around in a in a bit of a circle guards at either side and then we, I started noticing people were coming in to call people out. 
we don't know what they were calling them to go for. I don't know. Uh, they could have been. We thought, are they getting murdered or whatever the fuck might be happening, right? And then I started noticing that the people who were calling them out were people who went to my school. I started recognizing people. Do you know when that happens? There's people you know. And people I haven't seen in fucking years start turning up. People who went to my school start turning up and start, and start calling out someone and say, You're coming with us. You're coming with us. Come on. And they'd call them out. And the person would be kicking and screaming. But then the guards at the door would come over and grab them and pull them out. Alright. So then we're sat there. There's about eight or nine of us left. People from our school are trying to kidnap us all at this point. And we're going, what the fuck do we do? So, there was a group of us, and then we realised backstage, because we had an idea of the theatre for some reason, we knew all the ins and outs, <laughs> during a dream when you know too much stuff, we knew that backstage there was a fire exit, and we don't think, we didn't think that the guards were blocking that in any way, so we decided our best option would be to just say fuck it and go off and make a run for it right so we're sat there then trying to kind of pick a good moment but we didn't want to wait too long before one of us got called out so we're kind of sat there terrified now if we run what will happen to us if we get caught running but we decided that the alternative would be that we'd get taken out and, we, and God knows what the fuck would happen. So then we all just went for it. We just ran. And we ran backstage and we ran out the fire exit door. And as soon as we got out, right, we pushed the fire exit door open. And there was a load of people there. But all of which were a bunch of TYs. And they just like looked at us. Just kind of going, what the fuck? What the fuck are you doing? And then we legged it. And they were like going, are you leaving? And we just like ran. And they were, and they started screaming at us as we were running away. They were screaming at us. They were going, no, no, you're going to ruin it. You're ruining the show. You're fucking ruining it. What are you doing? You're ruining it. I was fucking terrified. And I was legging it, right? You're only dream when you're absolutely fucking legging it. But you can't run as fast as you want. I was pegging it. And they were screaming, saying we were going to ruin it. And we were like, what show? What the fuck are they talking about? What the fuck? So we ran. And we fucking we fucking escaped. It's not often you escape in a dream, is it? You'd have, if you get kidnapped in a dream, you just wake up. But we escaped in the dream. It was nice. It was the next day, anyway. In the dream still now. In the dr- We're still in the dream. And it was the next day. And everyone around the place is talking about it, right? Everyone. Because it was, there was a T.Y. musical and it wasn't a fucking T.Y. musical. A lot of people got kidnapped. And a, a group of them escaped. We then found out that the people who got kidnapped were just let go. They were brought out and then they were just let go home. So everyone was like, what the fuck was all that about then? Why did they do that? Why would they do that to us? In the dream then, we met the man who directed the play, or who was supposed to be the director of the play. And we said to him, you know, what the fuck happened? Now, 
<laughs> this is short. Like, this is where dreams don't make sense. The director of this play was an old man. He was about 50 odd, grey hair, and he was sat in the back seat of, sat in the back seat of the car, outside the Centra. And I think we were all after getting chicken rolls, and he was sat in the back. While we were all eating our chicken rolls, we were chatting away to him. This will show you the how dreams don't make sense now. <laughs> so we said to him, what the fuck was all that about? And he said, how do you mean? We said, so the play didn't go ahead, we all nearly got kidnapped, and then, and then you just let everyone go home. What was that about? And he said, what do you think that was about? And in the dream, I turned around to him and I said, I said, we went to that play to participate as the audience. We went to play, we went to the play just to sit down and enjoy it as the audience. But unknowns to us, we became part of the show and the real audience was everyone else the day after who was talking about it and he said yeah you're right does that make sense so the actual audience for this play were the people who read about it in the newspaper or heard about it at the shop following day and we thought we were going to be the audience and we actually became part of the play and then I woke up and obviously you wake up from that and you go what the fuck (laughs) it's a big guess it's a big guess it's a bit too vivid for a dream as well I woke up going what the actual fuck usually dreams are nonsense Usually a dream will be about, especially even if it's a bad dream about getting kidnapped. Because I get them a lot actually. Not a lot. But if I get a bad dream, it'll be me somewhat being kidnapped. And usually it'll just be a lad will just come out of a van and grab you and take you. And then you see you're, next thing you just wake up. It, it doesn't usually last that long out of one. And it doesn't usually turn into some sort of weird art philosophy type thing so obviously i'm waking up going what the actual fuck was that about all right and then so i was thinking about it all that morning this is about a week ago so i was thinking about it all that morning and i was going where did that come out of because it's it all sounded fairly familiar as well when i woke up i was like this all i feel like i heard this somewhere or i feel like i got this out of somewhere Right, and then I remembered. So, now what this podcast is going to be is I'm going to explore the two roots of this dream. So, the first element of the dream was root is rooted in an art movement called futurism, particularly Italian futurism. Now. How do I explain futurism? I don't know much about futurism. So, 
art movements are, aren't something pe a lot of people think about. So basically, it's the clues in the title. But all art, and when I say art, I don't mean paintings. I mean everything. So from music, poetry, painting as well, um, films, um, anything, literally anything creative. Technically, a podcast is an art form, technically. Do you know what I mean? So that's when, it, when I'm saying art, I mean literally any creative outlet, right? And art always goes in movements, all right? So you have, so you have, yeah, futurism is one. Uh, you had other ones, data, modernism. Then you had postmodernism. And now we have metamodernism. Um, I'm trying to think back. Um... This is just for people who don't have a frame of reference for this type of thing. I'll give you good, like when we're in history in secondary school. You probably remember in when we learned about the Renaissance, they always talked about how the Renaissance painters started using depth of their images and all this other type of shit. That's an art movement, right? That makes sense. So all forms of art move in this direction. It's usually. It's usually inspired by whatever's going on in the culture at the time as well. So, futurism was happening during World War One, right? Now, it wasn't a huge thing to the best of my knowledge. It wasn't massive, but one of the main heads of futurism art was a man called... Uh, Filippo Marinetti was his name. He was Italian. Now, there was Italian futurism and Russian futurism. I'm only going to talk about Italian. Right? So, Filippo Marinetti was his name. He wrote the Futurist Manifesto. Now, he was, he was, a, he was an art, he was a poet and he was an art philosopher he he kind of yes yeah, so he wrote the futurist manifesto and basically what futurism was about was a turn away from a turn away from the past anything of the past should be made redundant essentially was his thinking and they should move towards more modern ideas now you also had at the time modernism and data they were doing similar things they were doing the same thing but futurism was based off of a different mindset. Marinetti was a bit of a prick. Actually, he was a massive prick. He was a cunt, right? He said... He, he said art should glorify war. And that art should... He, he was quoted in saying that art... Can be nothing but violence, cruelty, and injustice. That's a quote. That's a direct quote from him. To the best of my knowledge, right, this all started after he was in a massive car accident. He swerved the car into the ditch, and it was quite bad. But he didn't die. He, I don't think he was any. He was majorly harmed. But afterwards, he became obsessed with. extreme violence and the idea of war and the idea of 
idea of more he was he was he was obsessed as well with motor vehicles and that kind of thing if you look up futurist art on google images right you'll see a load of paintings a lot of them are very surreal and abstract but they're all very wild maybe i think is the word very erratic and very a lot of they're very abstract a lot of them you have to stare at them for a while and go what the fuck am i looking at well, a lot of them were depicting things like war and violence and all these different things. And this is what the futurists were all about. Was glorifying war. Um, Not all of them were cunts as far as I know. But Marinetti in particular, he was very pro-war. and He called war as the only true hygiene the planet can have. That was his thinking, right? So this is what, this is the way he thought. This is the way he thought about art. That art should be a push away from, should push away from the past and anything that came before and move towards only new modern ideas and should glorify war, should glorify violence and should glorify all these things, right? He also wrote the original fascist manifesto. Mussolini was a big fan of him. He was a good friend of Mussolini's actually, I think, right? Prick, wanker. <laughs> but I'm more interested in in his theatre now Blind Boy did a whole podcast on this there a couple of months ago and I listened to this a few months back listened to it thought jeez that's unreal I was fascinated by it and then when it ended I didn't think about it again that was it until it popped up again in my dream alright so I'll explain what happened with his theatre so because he was so obsessed with the idea of he was obsessed with the idea of violence and creating very erratic and sensationalism I think maybe he was obsessed with creating very in your face and violent art and this extended to theatre he used to do he used to put on plays he was obsessed with the idea of that theatre should be shortened to the point some of his plays, I think, were like a minute long. I think he shortened the play Othello, Shakespeare's Othello, down to like a minute, and they would just and it would just be an absolute, just a minute of flat out, just fucking, boom, 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 in your face, straight up, bang, right. But he also was very interested in getting the audience involved. In the play. Which is a good idea. But he wasn't doing it in a. He wasn't thinking of it in a way like. Like you think about going to a play where you get involved. You think of maybe like a pantomime or something. That's a bad example. But you know. You call stuff out when it's fun and it's involved and everyone's there. That's. That's participatory. People are involved in that. Um, and there's all sorts of art forms where people are involved. And that's what Blind Boys Podcast was about. Right? But what Marinetti want, didn't want people getting involved for the fun of it. He wanted violence in the crowd. He wanted aggression from people. He wanted to really... He wanted to piss people off. He wanted people to come to his shows come to his plays and be pissed off 
and not in a fun way, not in a cathartic way, in a genuine, he wanted to upset people. So he used to do things like, he used to put warm glue under seats. So that they'd sit down, and then they couldn't get up when they tried to get up. And then he'd do things like he'd sell the same ticket to ten people. So then ten people would arrive and go, that's my seat. And then create a bit of a, create an absolute fucking war. Because <laughs> people are like, oh, that's my fucking seat, look at my ticket. And he'd sit, sell it to like ten people. He'd also go, he'd also put itching powder on the seats to make people itchy and irritated. And then he, he'd do this thing where he'd go out in the street and he'd find people he thought might cause trouble. He'd go out in the street and swat at and go, he looks like he'd start a fight. And would sell tickets to those people. And not only that. He would go and encourage them. To start a kerfuffle. So his plays obviously. When he did all these things. Obviously people go fucking mental. Because <laughs> you, you think like. He, everyone in the audience is pissed off about something. You're either being glued to your seat. There's itching powder in your seat. Um, your seat's been sold to ten other fellas. There's fellas there starting fights, getting drunk, starting fights. There's all sorts of this shit, right? No one's having crack at that. Everyone's going, fuck this. And everyone's going mental. And they're not quiet about it, obviously. And that's the, and that's the point. And he's going, and everyone's going mental. And to him, this was the point. That not it wouldn't just be the play itself that would be part of the art. The audience's reaction to everything the audience's aggression would become part of what the art is as well it then became participatory the audience became part of what this was all about do you understand the idea that the audience unbeknownst to them and without their without their knowledge prior knowledge without their consent they would just become part of it And that's a very base, basic level of futurist theatre. To be honest, that's as much as I know. <laughs> um, that's a very base um, level of futurist theatre. Um, and that's the first part that what led to my dream. Like I said, I listened to one podcast about it a few months ago. I haven't thought about it since. And the next thing, it wiggles its way into my dream. Very strange. So that was the first part. And then there's the second thing. And the second thing was a thing called the Stanford Prison Experiment. So. On that note, we're going to do an intermission. Because everyone fucking loved the intermission last week, didn't you? <laughs> I don't know why I'm doing it again this week, lads. Um, if you want to go for a piss, get a point. <laughs> um, like I said, uh, tell your mates about it if, if you have any. If you don't have any mates, don't worry about it. Just keep listening. <laughs> um, yeah, if you're enjoying this and you're getting something out of it, you're having a good time, you find it interesting, you like listening to me, please keep listening. It's going to be good crack. We're going to be doing new stuff every week. As you can tell, this week is already a bit different to last week. And yeah, so it's going to be a different flavor most weeks, but... Like I said, it's going to be based around film, music and art. Um, 
next week I think I'll be doing a music one. And it's good crack. If you enjoy that kind of thing and you're enjoying this, please keep listening. Please keep listening. Be good crack. And if you're not enjoying this, genuinely, if you're getting nothing out of this at all and you're listening, going, eh, or you find it a chore to listen. Sometimes I find that. I find myself going, this is just a chore to listen to. You can stop listening, but it's grand. I don't mind. I really don't mind. <laughs> I don't. Do you know what I mean? You can stop listening. It's all, it's all right. But, like I said last week, if you want to leave, if you're going, fuck this shit. This fella's a prick. This is the type of shit that Anthony listens to. Well, tell Anthony about me. And then you can leave. <laughs> all right? Tell Anthony. Said there's a prick in the internet. Talks about films, music, and futurist participatory art you'd probably fucking like him he's not even an, he's not even an art student so he doesn't really know what he's talking about but give it a listen anyway it's a good laugh all right that's all i ask you lads um what else yeah so i'm on acast i'm on spotify and i'm on itunes if any of your friends ask where can i listen those are the three places um i'm gonna try to get on to some other places um, but that's where I am for the moment. I'm gonna try and get myself onto more podcast apps. Um, yeah, um, it would help me out. I think if you just left me a little, a little review, if you could, or just like it, support the, just like it, follow it, um, subscribe to it, and all that. Um, and like I said, tell a couple of your mates, and maybe we can get a nice little community going. All right. That's the intermission. So, alright, so that, alright, so that's the intermission. Again, why the fuck would I do an intermission? Just a little break. Gives my mind a little bit of a rest so I can gather my thoughts a bit better. And uh, I can do a bit of begging. So, the Stanford Prison Experiments. It was, obviously, an experiment conducted in Stanford University in 1971. Now, what I'll do is, I'll I'll tell you how it ends before we start, because I think that's, I think that's the hook. Alright, so, what it was, it was an experiment conducted by a man called Zambardo, I forget his first name, but his second name was Zambardo, I remember that, because it's funny name um he was a psychology professor as far as i know and he wanted to conduct an experiment he wanted to check how people's behaviors would change if you put them into a standard prison setting so you had you had guards and you had prisoners and you and he wanted to see the if you created the full conditions of that setting how people's behavior would change It was meant to last for two weeks. It ended up having to get called off after six because the guards were being so physically abusive towards the prisoners and the prisoners were under so much emotional distress that it had to get called off totally because it was just not. Dramatic pause. (laughs) Now, I heard about this... I forget where I fucking heard about it, but I was like, wait, what? 
six days. So I'll, I'll tell you a story. So I'll tell you the whole story, right? So Zimbardo seats out to start this experiment and to conduct this experiment, right? So he pu he puts an ad in the paper and he rounds up I think for a finish did he have for a finish he had nine guards and three substitutes and nine prisoners and three substitutes. Alright, so there's twenty four overall and there were six substitutes in that, right? And they were chosen they were given their roles at random. Um, they tested a bunch of fellas and they picked fellas that they felt were... You know, they gave them psychological tests and they see who would be emotionally stable for this, who would be the best candidates. And then once they were picked, they were given their roles randomly. And there you go. So they wanted to create it as realistically as possible. So day one, once they'd all been picked... They were going to get paid $15 a day for two weeks. So obviously these lads, a bunch of college lads going fucking New York. Right. So they wanted to create it as realistically as possible. Right. So they didn't. Before they started. The prisoners and the guards never saw each other. They didn't know who, they didn't know who they were. Um, they weren't just brought in. They were all made to wear proper uniforms. Proper guard uniforms, I'll get to that in a second. Um, and proper prisoner uniforms. Um, but they didn't just arrive in the day and then say, Here, Jan, put on your prisoner uniform there quick and we'll start the experiment. They wanted to create it as realistically as possible. So the prisoners were rounded up from their homes. They were gone. They were just at home and a guard would arrive and say, Come on, you're coming. Would arrest them publicly. Publicly as well, in front of their neighbours who didn't know what the fuck was going on. All of these kind of things just try to create the setting as realistically as they could. Then they arrived in. And then the prisoners were... They arrived in in their regular clothes. And sure, obviously the prisoners are going... This is a bit of a laugh, isn't it? And there's guards that are going, Come on, lads, line up. And they're going, this is a bit gas. They line them up. And then they strip them all naked. And then they make them put on their prisoner outfits. Now what the guards were wearing were kind of fairly standard prison guard uniform. But they were wearing these sunglasses that Zambardo requested they wear. Based off of the film Cool Hand Luke. I'll get back to this. But this is where the, this is where the first problem started, right? I'll get back to that. So, it's all going alright. They're there. The, the prisoners are kind of going, it's a bit of a laugh. And the guards are... The guards have been told, make sure now and... Exercise your authority over them. Don't be a pushover. Don't be a pussy over it. Make sure now you let them know who's boss. They were swayed very much in that direction. Very much were told, no, no. Go have at it. Do you know what I mean? So they created this. They created this prison. It was a small. It was a corridor in Stanford Prison. You can look up the pictures of it. It had three rooms. 
six six prisoners, so two to a room, three rooms, small and narrow room, and Zimbardo and his team uh, were able to see it from a camera. They didn't. They never stepped into it once the prisoners and everyone were in. They wanted to create it as realistic as possible. Um, so the the prisoners were locked in there for were to be locked in there for the two weeks, not to be let out, just like a normal prison, not at all, not to be let out. And the guards did, I think between six of them, there was three on it at a time. I think they did eight hour shifts or something like that, right? Like a normal prison, right? So, first day is going, and it's kind of alright. Not much happens. Fairly uneventful, right? There was one guard in particular who was the biggest cunt. Fuck, they had a name for him. The, the, yeah, the, the prisoner started calling him John Wayne. And he was militant. He was a cunt. You see video. You can get videos of this online, by the way. Um, you can get footage from the prison online. He really kind of starts exercising his his authority. He really plays it up. He really gets into it. Um, it's all kind of going all right. They're given very basic diets. They're given. They were all given numbers as well. By the way, I forgot that they all had their names taken away. The idea being that you would strip away their humanity so they weren't allowed to wear their clothes they had their names taken away all that kind of shit right so I think it was on the second day I think it might have been the first night like I said the prisoners are having a bit of a laugh they're kind of going this is funny just them because it's because they're a load of college lads and there's other college lads pretending to be prison guards telling them what to do they're like going fuck off so first night, they have, they stage for a laugh, not a riot, but a prison kind of revolution almost, right? So they board up their windows into their thing, they refuse to come out, and they start going mad, and they start throwing shit around, they start going ape, and the prison guards start freaking the fuck out. They call the other prison guards... Who weren't on duty at the time. They called them in. And they all come in. And. They try and sort this mess out. So the prisoners are only having a laugh. The prisoners are going fuck off. Do you know what I mean? So then the prison guards. Decided. That. Their best option would to be. Would be. To act out. Psychological. Not abuse. They were to act out psychological policing rather than physical, because they can't hit them. They can't turn around and go here and start baiting you. So they're gonna they're gonna have to start using more psychological means. So they were able to calm down the the riot. They started blowing fire extinguishers in at them to calm them down, which was the first kind of like, hang on a second, can't be doing this. Then what they started doing, right, was they came up with this idea of, because there was three cells, there was three cells actually and a um, solitary confinement cell. They made one of the cells into like a, into like a reward cell 
for people who had done good so for good prisoners they'd take them and go here and they'd put you in for being good for being a good boy they'd say here you were being a good boy you get to go to the good cell this was intentional to fuck with the other prisoners to make them kind of go fuck that prick for being a goody two shoes kind of thing then they started doing things like they'd take one of the one of the prisoners was basically he was the ringleader in the whole in the whole riot and they called him out and put him in the good cell so they really so the prisoners are really getting fucked with now they're kind of going wait what how is he getting put into the good cell what the fuck's he been doing so they start thinking what did he do so then they start thinking has he been ratting on us has he been like what the fuck just using this as a way to divide them all so that they won't have another fucking revolution in the prison so day two one of the prisoners I forget his name because they're all numbers he starts freaking the fuck out he starts it all he starts getting very overwhelmed he starts freaking out he starts going lads lads this is real we can't leave. They won't let us out. It's like, what the fuck? Like, lads, we're stuck here. They're not going to let us out. What the fuck? And he starts freaking the fuck out. And he starts getting genuinely distressed. He won't eat. He won't come out of his cell. And he's really worrying the other prisoners. He's re- like, he is in a bad way. So Zimbardo calls him out. Zimbardo, Zimbardo and his team question him and assess him. And say, here, what's the story? What's wrong with you? And he starts saying, I'm not alright, I'm not alright, I need to go home. I need to I need to leave, I need to leave. Zimbardo looks at him and they decide we think he's lying to us in order to get out of here. So Zimbardo says, Nah, fuck fuck you and they throw him back into the cell. And he wasn't lying. He wasn't trying to manipulate him. He was in serious distress. And he starts freaking out even more. He starts going. I told you. I fucking told you. They're not going to let us out. They wouldn't let me out. They wouldn't let me out. They wouldn't let me out. And he starts freaking the fuck out. right? So after a while. Zimbardo looks and goes. Okay maybe he wasn't lying. We're going to have to let this cunt go. And they do. They release him. Because they're like. This person is in a bad way. This person is not. He's not lying to us. He's not trying to manipulate us. He's in genuine distress so they let him go after I think it was two days and they're also doing other things they're doing things like they didn't get toilets they only got buckets to piss and shit into and their guards are doing things like not letting them clean it out they weren't letting them shower just as a way to Assert their dominance so that they wouldn't have another revolution because they were kind of going, all right, yeah, who's the boss? Who's in charge in here? Who's in charge around here? Yeah, so they were in a bad way. So cells started to stink. They started to stink. It was just fucking awful all around, right? Then I think it was a day. It could have been day three or something like that. It was a visitation day, so their parents could come and visit them. Yorts is you. Um, so Zimbardo's kind of looking going look at the state of all these people look at the conditions they're in we can't let parents know the conditions their kids are in so what they do is they clean them up they let them have showers 
they they have a bit of crack with them they kind of get their spirits up so that they won't let on to their parents for what's going on and they do and their lads are kind of going well those things and the parents are kind of going wait what and the, and a couple of the parents arrived up to Zimbardo and said hang on a second Zimbardo you've got my fucking son in there in these horrific awful conditions this is awful you can't do this take my son out you have to take my son out now right this uh, you can read this on on the official website of the experiments that Zimbardo himself wrote all this all right now thing about that is you have to be careful with that because he really lets himself off the hook with a lot of these things now this is a good example he really lets himself off the hook he when he really doesn't really doesn't emphasize how much horrific shit he did in this experiment he really does not emphasize that at all he really lets him lets himself sound like he was a reasonable chap and he wasn't he was really very much in the wrong in all of this rain in there now loads that's that great nice less asmr little thing there for you sorry it's nice you know or is it or is it kind of shit but anyways he really lets himself off the hook so he explains this in, the, in on the website right he says a mother came up to him and said that you are to let my son out of here my son cannot be in these conditions you have to let my son out of here and it's the 70s in america middle america 70s he kind of plays up to the father to the father's kind of thing of he assumes the father has this whole kind of thing about his son and masculinity and plays up to it and says oh do you not think your son is capable do you not think your son is brave enough to do it and and all these kind of things purposefully so the father will go no 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 of course my son my son's a fighter my son's a my son's a fighter see (laughs) it's my jimmy stewart voice (laughs) <laughs> uh, do you know what I mean he plays up to that kind of mentality purposefully so they go come on honey we're leaving we're leaving no no my son can do it no my son can do it no bother don't you worry about that Zimbardo fuck you don't call my son a pussy proper purposefully manipulative shit like fucked up right so the experiment continues and it gets worse. The abuse gets a lot worse. They continue on the path they're going. Um, they were putting people into... They were originally given rules to only... You, they were only allowed to put someone into solitary confinement for an hour. For After a while, they were putting them in for longer than that. And they put one of them in for several hours. And just locked him in there and left him there for hours proper bad shit right then it was a day four could have been day five but rumors started to circulate that the prisoner who had been let out was coming back with some of his friends to help them break out so he was going to come back and have a full-on escape and bring and pull all of his mates out 
Now, if you read this, Zimbardo writes on the website. He says no looking back. Because he's old now. He's like 90 now. This is in the 70s. He says no looking back. He said, clearly, what I should have done was let whatever's going to happen, happen. And see if he does try and break him out. Because that would be fascinating. That would be... That would be an uh, that would be an amazing end to that experiment. I tried to have a prison, and then one of them broke everyone out. That's amazing. That would be a great conclusion. And he said I should have let that happen as a scientist, but he didn't. What he he said at this point, he start he himself started to feel like he was a part of the experiment as well. That he was. Not just an organiser and not just a scientist who was organising this or orchestrating this rather. He was part of it. And he said he said he started to become the prison warrant warden. He started to become the warden of this imaginary prison that he invented. Because the guards were coming back to him for advice and he was advising them to do this and that and he was basically running this thing. And he kinda goes they're going to fuck up my experiment. If they come in and break everyone out, they're going to fuck up my experiments. Fuck that. I can't let that happen. So he said to the guards, all right, we're going to round them all up. and We're going to move them. To the t- we're going to move them to the next floor in the university. We're going to move them up a floor. And hopefully if that prisoner comes back, he won't over the fuck they are and then that'll file his plan. So he goes, right, this is what we're going to do. Even though, realistically, he should have just let it happen. But, he didn't. He goes to the university. People who are running the university and says, This is what I want to do. I want to do the experiment I'm doing downstairs. Yeah, I want to move them all up up a floor. Because apparently, uh, someone's going to try and break in and break them all out. And they're going, No, we can't do that. They're going, If there's a break and we should alert the authorities. Like, we shouldn't. So you can't be doing that. No, you can't move them. And he goes, ah, fuck him. And he walks out and goes, well, fuck him anyway, I'm moving him. So he does anyway, regardless. And he takes him and they move him all up to the top floor. And Zimbardo waits in the reception for the prisoner to come in and try and break his mates out. Only he never came. He was just a rumour. He never actually arrived. So they move him back. And I'm not sure if there was another parental visit. But what there was, was a new prisoner got introduced. Because one had left, they said, right, we should get another fella in. And then they get another fella in. And he arrives day four or five. And he's kind of looking around going, what the fuck? At this point, he's going around asking everyone, he's going, how's it going, man? What's your name? And they go, 819. He says, what? So I'm 819. They don't start using their names anymore. None of the prisoners are calling themselves by their name. They're now all only referring to themselves as their numbers. Even when he's asked. He goes, my name's 819. And the man's going, what the fuck? And he's looking around at the state of the place. The condition everyone's in. The conditions they're living in. The state everyone's in. How everyone is clearly in physical distress. And he's going, what the actual fuck is going on here? Right? So obviously he's quite freaked out. And he's kind of going, lads, what the fuck? They can't do this to you. They can't do this to us at all. This is fucked up. Because he's after arriving. Because he didn't arrive day one. In the thick of it all. Now he's, he didn't arrive day one. He's after arriving into the thick of it all. So he's kind of looking going. What the fuck? Day six. 
I believe. Or was it day five? I believe it was day six. Prisoner 819. I remember his number. Prisoner 819. Has a complete and utter fucking breakdown as well. He breaks the fuck down. He's like, I can't handle this anymore. Which is clearly quite fair. And Zambardo calls him out. And assesses him. And they're talking away and he says, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. And Zambardo says, okay. Fair enough. I'm going to let you go. Now, one of the guards... Because the guards are absolute cunts. The guards really... The guards really fall into their roles. They start go, they start getting wind that one of them is going to be leaving. And they say, fuck that, he's not getting out of here. So they get all the prisoners out. Round them up. Put them up against the wall. And make them chant... 819 is a bad prisoner. 819 is a bad prisoner. 819 is a bad prisoner. And your man, 819, talking to Zimbardo in the other room, can hear that. And he's after getting told that he's free to go. And he starts freaking out. He starts going. He looks at Zimbardo and says, I can't leave. Zimbardo goes, what? He says, man, I can't leave. They think I've done something wrong. They think I'm a bad prisoner. They think I've done something. They think I'm a rat. They think I'm this and that. I have to go back and uh, and show them I'm not a bad prisoner. And he's going, you're not a prisoner. You're a fucking person. Your name isn't 819. It's such and such. You're, you're free to go home. You can go home. He's going, no, I can't. I can't go home. I can't go home. And he goes back. Now, Zimbardo's wife sees, like the new prisoner who comes in, hasn't been there from the start. She arrives in day five or six, sees what's happening, and looks at Zimbardo and says, You can't do this. She says, These are people you're doing this to. So these aren't test subjects, these are humans, like you can't do this, like this is fucked up and wrong. You need to call this off. And it kinda went back and forth for a while and eventually it was horrific. Awful, awful stuff. If you read it in the website, there's there's but like one small little paragraph on the effect it had on the rest of the prisoners. This is the thing Zimbardo wrote, but one tiny paragraph, and it just says it very casually in this tiny little thing about how much Vitola had on the rest of them. One of them developed a rash across his entire body from extreme stress. They were all under extreme stress none of them were able to eat there was all like all of them were under extreme stress like extreme like all of them were nearly broken at this point and he really lets himself off the hook that's one thing I'll say I don't know much about this Zambardo chap but fucking hell he really makes himself out to be a lot sounder than he actually is so day six they say okay fair enough and they call it off and then that was the Stanford prison experiment now, looking back, a few things. It started off as an experiment to show how people all have... Because this is the thing I 
bleeds to my core. Everyone has the capacity to do horrible things. Everybody. Everybody has the capacity to do horrific stuff. There's like there's the there's always the idea that if you were German in nineteen forty, you'd probably be a Nazi. Probably. Do you know what I mean? There's these parts in all of us that are capable of doing horrific stuff. And you can see interviews from the guards months after the guards and the prison guards who did all this horrible stuff and put people into this horrible position knowingly and very much fucking enjoyed doing that to people you see the you can see them kind of you can see one months later and you can see some years later and the main one that they call John Wayne like I was talking about he in particular is talks about how fucking shocked and appalled at how far he went and how at how seriously he took it and how far and how how dark he got because there's darkness in everybody do you know what I mean and there's criticisms of the experiments not just ethically but also scientifically that it wasn't a very fair test. There's been um, recreations of it. The people have done the same test again. And they haven't had the same results. They've had some results. People moving into those roles of prisoner and 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 prison guard. And there being a power dynamic and stuff like that. But uh, it was nowhere near to the extent of the, of, of the Stanford Prison Experiment. Nowhere near. And people say... That's the few things that made it not a fair experiment. Was the fact that Zimbardo really told all the guards. Yeah really play this up. Really go into it. Really give us something to work with. So what starts as. So the guards went in going half primed to really give it their all. Do you know what I mean? That's not a fair test. That's a bad head start. Um, Like I said about the sunglasses. That was another thing. It was just this whole. He gave him this whole thing to build up a character. But that's not, that's not really full prison conditions as such. It's quite exaggerated and it's not really seen as a very scientific experiment. Um, since then he has said that it's not, that it's no, it's not much, as much an experiment as it is a demonstration. Which is the way I like to look at it. It's more of a demonstration that this is what can happen. Do you, know, do you understand? So that's the Stanford Prison Experiment, 1971. It was meant to last two weeks, ended up lasting six days because of extreme physical abuse and extreme human rights violations. Um, and you mix that with a bit of futurist Marinetti theater and you get my dream. And this is what fucking pandemics do to people. <laughs> See, this is the nice thing. You see, we're going to hear about this years later. We're going to be telling our grandkids about this shit, man. You know what I mean? My grandkids are going to sit around and go, Granddad, what did you do during the COVID-19 pandemic? My grandkids will be English. Um, and I'll have this recorded. And I can go, well, it's here on the internet. I dreamt of going to a uh, to a participatory stage play version of the Stanford Prison Experiment. <laughs> It's very much rooted in that. 
Um, it might now that I say it out loud, it doesn't scream. It doesn't totally suggest that my dream is full is fully based on that, but I really do feel it, and it's my dream. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I kind of go, that's a hundred percent where I came from. Hundred percent. The way the guards looked, the way we all felt inside the thing in in the dream, a hundred percent came from this. And again. I heard about this a few months ago, went, what the fuck was that? And went down a mad Google binge for about two hours. I read the whole fucking Wikipedia page. I was fascinated. I read the whole Wikipedia page and I was like, I need to know more than this. This doesn't tell you much. Then I found the website that your man wrote himself. And I read the whole thing and I spent about two hours going, fucking hell, this is nuts. I can't believe I've never heard of this before. This is fucking insane. And then I never thought about it again for months afterwards. Um, and then, same thing as with the Marinetti plays. And next thing, the two of them joined together to make a weird dream I had there last week. So there you go. No. So, thanks for listening. Um, if you've listened this far, thank you very much. Um, please join me again next week. Uh, recommend me to a friend, like I said. Uh, please join me again next week. Um, I'll try and make it a, a music-related one next week. Um, yeah, thanks very much. Uh, have a good week. Uh, be sound to yourself. Look after yourself in the pandemic and all that. Um, text one of your mates and say, how's things, man? Um, if you haven't seen one of your mates in a while, give him a text. Um, give your mother a hug if you have her. Give your father a hug if you have him. Uh, rob your dog if you have one. Um, yeah, love each other. Be sound. Love you all. If we give ourselves to every breath, we're all in the running for a hero's death. <laughs>